Good morning, everybody. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, God bless everyone. Welcome to our service uh, this morning. We're coming to you live from beautiful Phoenix, Arizona. Hallelujah. And this is GMI Church. Good morning. I'm Pastor Yado. God bless you. Welcome. I want you to settle in. I believe that we are going to have a good time in the word of the Lord today. So I want you to lift your hands up. Come on, lift those hands. Yes. And raise your head up. Don't let your head be bowed down. <laughs> Raising our hands is like, Lord, carry me, you know, like the little children when they want to be carried. So, Lord, carry us this morning in Jesus' name. I pray that according to your word, you said that thy word is first a lamp to our feet where we are and a light to the path ahead of us. Moreover, you said that the entrance of your word gives light and it gives understanding to the simple. So let it be for us today in Jesus' name. And let the Lord be glorified and let every one of his children be blessed. In Jesus' name, amen. Put your hands together again for the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. So I want to get right into it, but before I do, I am going to do, I'm talking today, uh, continuing on the seven pillars of wisdom. And it's been a while, uh, you know, when we did the first part. So I'm going to do a quick, uh, a quick recap, and then I'm going to move on. Like I said last time, I don't know how long it's going to take me to do this. I'm going to take my time because this is important. Praise the Lord. Come on, respond to me. Praise the Lord. So, last time we talked about the seven pillars. Now, before I did, before I began the series on the seven pillars of wisdom, I did do, you know, one sermon on the seven attributes of divine wisdom. Now, that's what wisdom looks like. Real wisdom, that's what it looks like in the divine attributes of I mean, the attributes of divine wisdom. So you might want to listen to that again. But what we are talking about here is about, you know, what wisdom can do for you. So we talked about, and we're going to start here in Proverbs chapter 9 and verse 1. Proverbs 9 verse 1. Let's put those scriptures up quickly, please. Praise the Lord. It said, wisdom had builded her house. She had hewn out her seven pillars. So, we talked about the house which wisdom is building. Consider that house as your life. Are you a house of wisdom? Hello? Are you a house of wisdom? Well, I, I want to be a house of wisdom. And if you are not, you, you need to want to be a house of wisdom. So, these pillars are like the pillars that hold up our house. And, you know, when you begin to see cracks in the house, that might indicate that there's, there are some problems in the pillars. So the first pillar we talked about was the fear of the Lord. Now, many people have their own uh, seven pillars of wisdom, but this is my set right here. Uh, the first one, of course, is the fear of the Lord, because 
it is the beginning of wisdom. So today I'm not going to go through the fear of the Lord. We covered that last time. If you missed it, go back and check it out on the website. But I am going to go quickly through some of the benefits of the fear of the Lord. Because the way I'm going to be doing this teaching uh, is when I, you know, I'm going to explain the topic, give to you what the Lord has given to me, and then I'm going to talk about the benefits of it. Then I'm also going to talk about, you know, the, uh, you know, we're going to give a lot of scriptures, of course. You know, when we talk about the benefits, then at the end, we're going to pray a prayer, you know, based on one of the scriptures or many of the scriptures that we may have read for that lesson. And we're going to make a prayer out of that, you know. So today I'm going to talk about the benefits and I'm going to go through it very, very quickly. I'll cover this last night. The benefits of the fear of the Lord. Psalm 34, verse 7. He says it brings protection. See? Angels. He said the angel of the Lord encamp around those who that does what? Hello? It's a Bible study today, so I want you to respond to me. The angel of the Lord encamps around those that do what? That fear him. So that's number one. That's really great. You know, we talked about, you know, it will be good for you always. Uh, you know, Deuteronomy 6, 24 and 25. Your children shall be mighty upon the earth. Wealth and witches shall be in your house. Psalms 1, 12, verses 1 through 3. Those that fear the Lord shall be rewarded. Uh, Proverbs 13 and 13. Uh, you know, fear of the Lord brings understanding. Psalms 111, verse 10. It brings knowledge. Proverbs 1 and 7. Proverbs 2 and 5. I'm going through this very quickly. We've covered it last time. It brings riches, honor, and life. Proverbs 22 and 4. Proverbs 19 and 23. It is also a fountain of life, Proverbs 14 and 27. It gives strong confidence, Proverbs 14 and 26. Because it's also depart from evil, Proverbs 3, verses 7 and 10. Also, Proverbs 8 and 13, Proverbs 16 and 6, Job 28 and 28. You know, so you don't need to try to read all this because I'm just going through it very quickly. Now, it brings us also into holiness, Second Corinthians Chapter 7, verse 1. He said, having therefore, dearly beloved, these promises, you know, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh. Flesh and spirit perfecting holiness in the fear of God. So, that's very important. Now, Jesus himself was endowed with many of these. You know, we find that in Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 to 5. Also, in Mark chapter 6, verse 2, we're told that the people marveled at his wisdom. Now, we gave two examples of somebody in the Bible that exhibited the fear of the Lord and another person that did not. Joseph was one example that exhibited the fear of the Lord in the case of the wife of, uh, uh, what's the name of the guy now? Potiphar, thank you. And, uh, you know, in the case of, David, he did not exhibit fear of the Lord in the case of the wife of Uriah, Bathsheba. Because, you know, as soon as he heard that that was somebody else's wife, that should have been a no-go area. But he didn't do that. But we saw the end of that, um, how the Lord dealt with that. So, the prayer point for the fear of the Lord, I'm going to read it. Well, I'm going to lead us in that prayer again before we get to this section. You know, so it's very simple. We need to pray that the Lord will give us the grace to always keep the fear of the Lord in our hearts and to teach it to our children and to their children after that. Can you say amen? 
So where you are seated, just raise your hands for a minute and let's pray. I want you to pray that prayer. Say, Lord, give me the fear of the Lord in my heart. Always. Give me the grace to always keep that fear in my heart. Always. To walk in the fear of the Lord and to teach it to my children and to their children after them. And if you are a child and you don't have any, any children yet, well, keep me, Lord, in the fear of the Lord all the days of my life that it may be well with me. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. All right. So that's the wrap-up of that. Today, I'm going to go into prudence. Now, there are seven pillars that I will be talking about. You know, I gave an acronym the last time. Not in the order. The acronym is not in the order in which I'll talk about them. I just gave that acronym because it was kind of easy to remember. I said K-U-P-D-C-S-F. You know, K for knowledge, U for understanding and insight, P for prudence, D for discretion, C for counsel, S for sound judgment, and I, I mean F for the fear of the Lord. So, but today I'm covering prudence. So here we go. I hope you brought your notes because I will be reading a lot of scriptures and I'll be saying a lot of things. So. Let me remind you why we are doing this and what we hope to gain out of this. Now, there are many areas of our lives where there may be cracks, you know, and we need to get those cracks fixed up, you know. So, um, now this, you know, the, the things that we're talking about here for wisdom, or you put all of the attributes I mean, when you put all the pillars of wisdom together, it is combined to call strength. You know, uh, some people would like to say strength is one of them. Well, I like to say that when you put all those together, it combines to give you strength. Okay, so prudence is the one we are talking about today. Go to Proverbs chapter 8. I am going to read verses 12 to 14. Proverbs chapter 8, verses 12 to 14. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence and find out knowledge of witty invention. So you already see prudence and knowledge is mentioned there. The fear of the Lord, you see that as well. You know, it's to hate uh, evil, pride, arrogancy, and so forth. You know, and then verse 14, quickly, verse 14, please. Counsel, you see that, is mine. Sound wisdom, I like to call it sound judgment. You know, I am also understanding, and I have strength. So you see that strength? When you put all those pillars together, it gives strength to the house. You know, the pillars is what actually holding up the house. You know, remember the story of Samson when he was going to bring up that coliseum? I mean, bring down that coliseum, and he said, touch me, Lord, one more time. And he leaned upon the pillars of the great stadium. Coliseum, where they used to have all those fun, and they have been making fun of him and so forth. He leaned upon those pillars. That's all he had to do, you know. <laughs> Bring the pillars down, and the whole house will come down. How many of you say that's true? Yeah, that's right. What That's what Samson did. And when he pulled all his strength, and the Lord came upon him one last time, and he pulled with all his strength, pulled those pillars down, grabbed the pillars, you know, just like this, you know. And he pulled the pillars. You know, the whole house came crumbling down. So, the pillars give strength. You know, the pillars, all these pillars, when you put them together, they're actually the strength of wisdom. So, here we go with prudence. Prudence is a pillar of wisdom. 
We see that already in Proverbs chapter 8, verse 12. It is the quality of being cautious or exercising caution, shrewdness, common sense, and circumspection when it comes to danger or risk. Okay, some of these definitions I took from the dictionary. And I put my own stuff in it, and the Holy Ghost gave me some other stuff. So it's all mixed up together. You know, so now prudence, prudence is the quality of being cautious and exercising caution. The quality of exercising shrewdness and common sense and circumspection in all areas of danger or risk. Proverbs chapter twenty two, verse three says, you know, the prudent man foreseeth the evil. And hide it himself. <laughs> but the simple, so he's comparing the prudent man here with the simple. The prudent man foresees the evil and he will keep himself. But the simple will just pass on and they will get into trouble. They will be punished. Now, prudence is also the ability to govern oneself by the use of reasoning and to conduct oneself with knowledge. Where is that found? That's in Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 16. I hope you're taking notes because a lot of scriptures here today. Proverbs 13 and 16. Quickly, can you get that for me? You know, every prudent man dealeth with knowledge. You know, knowledge. See, so, you know, the ability to govern yourself with the use of reasoning and conduct yourself with knowledge. Also, it is the ability to exercise tact, T-A-C-T. In your relationship or dealings with others. Ability to exercise that. You know, and to be careful in your dealings with others. Now, I'm going to tell you some types of people that prudence will instruct you to avoid. I will also tell you some types of people that prudence will tell you or instruct you to surround yourselves with. So we're going to get to that. You know, so the ability to, you know, guide and direct your relationship with others, you know, especially in a way that doesn't bring hurt to you, <laughs> you know, that's prudence. Uh, a lot of people are not prudent. They just do things anyhow, you know, and then at the end of the day, regret Regret steps in, you know, so. Now, let me quickly talk about some of some people, you know, types of people you should uh, surround yourself with and the types of people you should avoid. I'm going to talk about that. I'm going to talk about, you know, how you should define boundaries. You know, prudence will also teach you to define boundaries for every relationship that you are in, whether you are in the church, whether in your marriage, whether you are a student, teacher, whether you are in the business, some people, due to lack of prudence, some people get into business relationships and they don't carefully define the terms of the relationship and then there is regret afterwards. One person turns around and stabs them in the back or something like that. Prudence will teach you to carefully define the boundaries of all relationships that you are in, whether it's your friends, whether it's business, whether it's church, etc., and you need to be, prudence will also teach you to be diplomatic. 
when you are trying to resolve a matter, you know, among parties that are in quarrel, you know, especially when it doesn't really concern you, you know. Uh, one scripture says, I don't have that marked down, but one scripture says, look, a man that's going and uh, meddling with affairs that doesn't concern him is like somebody that takes the dog by its ears. You know, what happens? He's going to get bitten. You know, because he didn't have any prudence. You know, he meddled with something that doesn't concern him. And he's going to get into trouble. You know, so that's a, you know, that's a lesson for us to learn. But listen to this. You know, skill and good judgment in managing your talents, your skills, and your resources. I'm going to spend a little bit of time on that. You know, but before I do that, let me even tell you that, look, if you are in leadership, prudence is a skill that will allow you to be able to manage even rebellion. Now, let me say that again. <laughs> you know, I didn't find this one in the dictionary. Now, prudence is an ability that will allow you, it's a capability that the Holy Spirit gives you to even to manage even rebellion. See, how do you manage rebellion? Well, when you're in leadership, Jesus, in the book of six, John 6, chapter 70. Can you put up John 6, chapter 70? John 6, verse 70, I mean. You know, Jesus said, look, have not I chosen 12 of you, and yet one of you is a devil? You know, Jesus knew that Judas Iscariot was a devil. Hello? Yet he chose him. Not only did he choose him, Jesus actually mentored him. So the ability to mentor rebellion when you are in leadership is tremendous leadership and great leadership. You know, Jesus mentored that rebellion. And he used it to fulfill his divine assignment. Hallelujah. So the ability to manage opposition, even if you are not in rebellion, I mean, even if you are not in leadership, the ability to manage opposition and use it to fulfill your own divine assignment, that comes from prudence. And Jesus, he taught Judas just like everybody. He sent Judas on missions just like everybody. He mentored Judas just like everybody. But the whole time, he knew what was inside of Judas. The whole time, he knew that Judas was going to betray him. But Jesus didn't, you know, get all reacting and everything. He was mentoring that and managing that with prudence. Though the spirit of the Lord was upon him. And he used that to even fulfill his divine assignment. Hallelujah. Now that is so deep that if you get it, you're good. But if you don't, I pray that the Lord will help you uh, to get it. Now, you know, I'm going to be talking about some more things as I bring it home. Later on, even though Jesus knew that uh, Judas would eventually betray him, yet he was able to manage that, you know, and so forth. And he became, I mean, you can see that Jesus was a tremendous leader. And he gave us an example that, look, the people around you sometimes, you know, and I'm going to tell you some people to avoid. But sometimes the people around you, you can't always avoid them, you know, in a situation where, you know, you're not the one that chose them and you just happen to be in their midst. You can't really avoid them. For instance, if you're on a job, you're somewhere and so forth, you know, you really can't all the time choose the people that are around you. You know, but, you know, the ability to exercise tact in their dealings with all those, that will show you good uh, 
you know, good um, prudence. Now, let me talk about another aspect of prudence. Prudence can also be looked at as the skill and good judgment in the use and management of your talent, your skills, and your resources. And I'm going to spend a little bit of time on this one. The skill and good judgment in the use, the management of your talent, your skills, and your resources. Now, for those of you young people and so forth who are in here, listen to this. This is going to help you. And if you're in the mid, midlife, whatever thing, or even older and so forth, this will help you too. Listen to this. I didn't find this one in a dictionary either. Now, everyone comes with a talent. We see that in story in the Bible all the time. Jesus gave some people talents and so on. Some people did something, some people didn't do others. Others, you know, one person buried their talent. So we see that story. Prudence is the ability for you to grow your talent into a skill. Listen to this. Then you grow your skill into competence. Listen to this. Then you grow your competence into expertise. And finally, you grow your expertise into becoming an authority. There is progression to it. First, you have a talent. you got a talent already. Everybody does. You know, you have to do some discovery of some of your talents. But how do you grow that talent into a skill? Somebody may have a talent, maybe that natural talent. They just, they know how to draw or they know how to sing. Or they just find that they're good with <laughs> instruments of music. How do you develop that into a skill? You know, some people just bury that talent because they are not prudent. They just bury that talent. They are not prudent. And at the end of the day, the talent is wasted. You know. But when you recognize that talent, you can actually develop it into a skill. How many of you say praise the Lord? <laughs> yeah, you can develop your talent. Your talent may be, you know, fine art. You can draw and so forth. You can actually develop that talent into a skill. You know. And if you work that skill, you might be able to become very competent in it. You develop it into competence, you know. And competence, you work it long enough, you develop it into an expertise, <laughs> you know. And finally, you become an authority in the field. Praise the Lord. You know, I mean, I've walked through some of that in my career. You know, I started, you know, I had a skill. I had a talent when I was a young man. I was good with numbers and things like that, you know. And... Uh, I could remember things, you know, and uh, begin to work with it and so forth, became skill, you know, became a competence, got into computers and things like that, you know, developed it some more and so forth, became expertise, until finally I became an authority in my field. You know, you go through all of this, and prudence is what takes you to that. So prudence is the ability for you to manage your skill, your talents, and your resources. But let me talk about managing the resources. <laughs> many people, this is, many people have cracks 
in this area. Cracks. There's a lot of people sitting right here that have cracks. A lot of people listening to this one that have cracks in this area because they don't know how to manage their resources. You know, I've touched on this in the past when I talk about, you know, get away from debt, credit card, and all this stuff and so on. You know, people don't know how to manage resources. You know, here's what most people do. If you get a bonus, most people want to get a big bonus today. What do they do? They go on a spending spree. That's what they do. They will go shopping and don't buy everything up in the store because they got a bonus. How many of you are still with me? Yeah. Well, God gave you, anytime that God gives you more than you need, it is for the rainy day. Hallelujah. <laughs> but most people don't think about that. They just got a bonus. Now they got to go and buy this. They got to go and spend that. They got to do and do this. And they got to do that. You know, and finally, at the end of the day, they might come into want. Because they have squandered, you know, what God gave them. You know, now. How many of you know the story of the prodigal son? Prodigal son? Anybody? Well, everybody knows that story. So I'm not even going to bother to read it. I'm just going to tell it to you. The story of the prodigal son, and I hinted on this last time. Many people have told us traditionally, you know, they have told us that this prodigal son was foolish in asking for his, you know, inheritance. I disagree. Nothing foolish about that at all. Bible says, ask and what? <laughs> ask and you shall receive. His problem was not asking. His problem was not even getting it. His problem was mismanagement. That was his problem. So, you can throw away anything that you've thought about that prodigal story before. That's, that wasn't his problem. You know, his problem was, he got, now, if he had gotten these resources, and he had gone like the other servants that had two, two, uh, two pounds and turned it into four, five pounds and turned it into ten, if he had done something like that, nobody would be saying that he was foolish. You know, you know but he was foolish because he went into riotous living and squandered the thing. And after he squandered it, he began to be in want. Because then all of a sudden, a great farmer came in the land. You know. Now, a lot of people today, they come into fortune suddenly. <laughs> you know, and uh, <laughs> I'm reminded of a, a Bible verse that says, you know, wealth that comes too suddenly will grow wings, you know. They come into some wealth suddenly. Maybe they win lottery. I'm not telling anybody to pray lottery. I don't. <laughs> so, you know, and you shouldn't. If you're a child of God. That's not, that's not what God wants for you. Now, but that's not my subject. But they come into some, it may even be, you know, an estate. It doesn't have to be that. You know, and they come into something. And, you know, I've even seen, even in sports and different things, you know, and so forth. We've seen some people who came into great wealth, you know, and they didn't know how to, I've seen some boxers and things like that. They could go for one fight and make 20 million, you know. And some years down the road, I'm looking at their life. I'm like, what, in the, what did you do with all those 20 million? I, I don't know. <laughs> and then sometimes the end is even worse than the beginning because of mismanagement of resources, you know. So they don't know how to manage their resources. And then they get into problems. So that was the problem of the prodigal son. You can read the story in Luke chapter 13, 
sorry, chapter 15, verses 13 to 16. That's where you read the story. After many days, he took his journey and wasted his substance. Wasted it, you see. Bible use doesn't use words carelessly. He wasted his substance with riotous living. And next verse, as soon as he was done with that, what happened? And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine. And this is always the case, you know. Why is it that God gives you a lot of plenty? Well, because there's coming a time of famine. You remember the story of Joseph in the land of Egypt and the dreams of Pharaoh and so forth. And we're going to come to that when we talk about cancer. But, you know, how Joseph interpreted that and all that. You know, there was an abundance in the land. There was an abundance. And Joseph gave us an illustration here. He said, look, in the year of abundance, and there are many years that are coming, seven of them. He said, in the year of abundance, take one-fifth. That's 20%. Some people don't know how to say it. He said, take 20%, one-fifth of all the increase of the land and store it up. Can somebody say amen? <laughs> Some people, when they have increase, they just spend it all. Joseph said, no, take one-fifth of it, that's 20%, and store it up. Do that the next year. 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 By the time you do it for seven years, they filled up the whole place. They didn't even have enough storehouse. They had to build more storehouses. So after that, all of a sudden, famine came in the land. And the famine spread across all the world, basically. And almost killed everybody, except for the wisdom of Joseph. Now, so, prudence will teach you, you know, how to prepare for the rainy day. Prudence will teach you that. And if you don't have prudence, you're going to have a lot of difficulty. Let's look at some people who also, ex you know, experience prudence in their lives. But I'm going to come back to groups of people you should surround yourself with and groups of people you should avoid. You know, but let's look at some people that exhibited prudence in their lives. There was a time in David's life, in 1 Samuel chapter 18 and verse 14, where we are told that David behaved himself wisely in all things. You know, he was prudent in that time. And he was prudent for the most part until he got into that other problem with Uriah and Bathsheba. You know, so he behaved himself wisely in all things. Paul said in Acts chapter 24, verse 16. He said, look, I exercise myself in this thing to be void of offense in my conscience towards anybody. That's prudence. Knowing how to handle your relationship with others. He said, in this thing do I exercise myself so that I always have a conscience void of offense toward God and toward man. Can you say Amen. Now, the parable of the foolish and the wise virgins in Proverbs chapter, no, sorry, Matthew chapter 25. Now, Matthew chapter 25. Hardly anybody that's been in church for any time in their life doesn't know the story of the wise and foolish virgins. Jesus told it himself. He said, the kingdom of heaven is like unto... Ten virgins. Five of them were wise. 
and five were foolish. I want you to listen to me tell this story a different way today. <laughs> because all of us have heard it one way or the other. But listen to this. You know. Kingdom of heaven likened unto ten virgins which took their lamps, went out to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were foolish, and five of them were wise. And the ones that were foolish took their lamps, but took no oil. But the ones that were wise, they took oil along with the, you know, you know, every lamp. Those of you who are from Africa, you have these kerosene lamps and so forth like that. You know, there's a reservoir in the thing, but that's usually not enough. So they took extra now. But while the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. So at midnight, there was a cry given that said, Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. And everybody, there was a lamp trimming time. Everybody trimmed their lamps. You know, you crank up that wick, you know. Everybody know the wick in the kerosene lamp? And, uh, don't be all Americanized on me now. Pretend as if that's not what you were using. <laughs> you were all using this kerosene lamp before. So you crank up that kerosene lamp thing. You trim the wick and so forth. You crank it up some more. So everybody, trimmed, you know, and then these people found out, some people found out that the reservoir inside the kerosene lamp was dry. Now, so they went to the other group and said, give us some of your help for our lamps are gone out. Now, listen to this answer. Now, I'm going to talk about this today, and I'm also going to talk about it when I come to sound judgment, because they overlap. You know, sound judgment and prudence. Now, what did the wise say when the foolish people came? What did they say? They said no. <laughs> Praise God. Some people do not know how to say no. And part of the situation that you are in today could be because you didn't learn how to say no. Some people don't even know how to say no to temptation. They don't know how to say no. You know, and even, you know, when people ask you for stuff, sometimes people don't know how to say no. Because we have this religious sense in our head that anytime somebody asks you for something, well, of course, Jesus did say that if somebody asks you, give them. <laughs> but also, you know, you have to balance all the scriptures. You can't just take one verse and run with it. That's what's wrong with all these denominations. They take one verse and they build their church around it. No. You have to, the entire scripture. All scripture is profitable and given for instruction in righteousness. Hallelujah. All scripture, not just one verse, all. So in this place, do not allow somebody else's lack of planning to become your own emergency. Amen. These people said, look, we don't know how long the bridegroom is still going to tarry. Or even if we go into the party, we don't know how long it's going to take. This thing may not be enough for us and for you. You go and buy for yourself. Hallelujah. Religious people today will tell you that they have no love. Hello? The wise virgins did not have love. Because if they have love, your, when your brother says, nah, you know, give me something now. <laughs> and, and you say, no. <laughs> then they say, you don't have love. But I tell you what, Jesus told this story. And he said they were wise. Now let me tell you the part that I want to correct in the way we've been told this story or reading this story forever. 
the part that I want to correct is that we thought that the foolish virgins were foolish because they didn't take oil. And we thought that the wise were wise because they took extra oil. Well, let me correct that today. Think of it this way. The foolish did not take oil because they were foolish. Hello? <laughs> it wasn't they are not taking oil that made them. They were already foolish. That's why they didn't have prudence. And they didn't have foresight. And I'm going to be talking about foresight, insight, and hindsight in a little bit. You know, they were already foolish. So they couldn't see ahead. That's why they didn't plan ahead. Can somebody say amen? So it's not they are not taking oil that made them to become foolish. They were foolish. Jesus called them foolish. Now, these wise people did not, were not wise just because they took oil in this particular situation. No, they were already wise. And their wisdom made them to know that they are going on a long journey, so they need to take extra oil. Amen. So don't think of it that they are not taking oil. It's what they made foolish. Or they are taking oil. It's what made them wise. No, it's the other way around. They were already wise, so they knew that they need to take extra oil. These people were already foolish, so they didn't think about taking extra oil. Now, you know, you say, well, what does that, how do I do that today? Look, there are some people, you know, that don't know how to manage their resources. In fact, a lot of people, the, peop the reason why people are in hardship many times is because they don't know how to manage the resources God has given them. They don't know how to manage, you know, and even, you know, giving just because you want to give and you want to be kind, you know, love is kind, love is always giving. Just because you want to give and you want to be kind does not mean that you should not be prudent. Some people give until they themselves don't have anything. <laughs> Hello? <laughs> you know, I was on Clubhouse. Clubhouse is an app that is a drop, you know, drop-in audio app and so forth. Some months ago, about a year or so ago, when I first got in there. And somebody came and gave a prayer request. Listen to this. They came and gave a prayer request. Because they listened to some preacher that told them to give money. Or either they listened to that preacher or somebody or something told them to give money. Then they gave all the money they had. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> they gave all the money they had. And then after they gave all the money they had, then they began to be in want. And then they started asking for prayer. It, you know, and people have to start collecting money for them. I mean, what, what is that? I mean, tell me what that is. Look, if you, if you want to talk about giving, I know how to give. <laughs> and I give. But you have to do it with wisdom. Hello. And anytime somebody is telling you, you know, to give a thousand dollars so you can be rich, keep your thousand dollars <laughs> and you will have a thousand dollars. Hallelujah. That's not how it works. You know, if I had ten thousand dollars and you're telling me to give it ten thousand dollars and then I will have a million dollars. Well, I'll take my chances with my ten thousand. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> I'll just keep my ten thousand already. And I will always have that 10,000. Know, 
When you are thinking that you are going, no, you will lose everything. So this young person lost everything. And then they began to be in want. And then people start to start to pray. And I'm like, look, what, what kind of prayer is that? You need prudence. And you need wisdom. It's not everything we got to pray about. In fact, if you want to pray about everything, sometimes you need to be praying for wisdom. Hallelujah. <laughs> pray for wisdom. And pray for some of these things we are talking about. Prudence. You know, so she was not prudent. Now, let me talk about people that you should avoid. <clears throat> people you should avoid. You know, well, I put it this way nicely. I said people you should disengage from. <laughs> you know, I try to put it nicely. So soften the blow. These, there are some categories of people that you should disengage from. You say, why are you talking like this? That's not love. Well, listen to me carefully. You know. When you have communicated your values to people, and you should always communicate your values. When you are on your job, communicate your values. When you are among your friends, young people, listen to this. Communicate your values unless you don't have any values. But you all do have values. Hallelujah. <laughs> communicate your values. See? And the problem is, you know, young people don't like to communicate their values because they want to be popular among the friends and everybody else. So they hide their values. No, you got to communicate your values. Now, when you are communicating your values, the number one, I mean, keep, keep the child silent, please. The number one group of people that you do not want to hang around with are people that do not respect your values. Amen. Hello? It's in the same thing when young people are in a relationship. And you say, no, I am going to abstain. And I'm going to keep myself until marriage. And the other person doesn't respect that value. You need to stay away from them. Hello? Stay away from people that do not respect your values. That's number one. Group of people that you stay away from. Now, number two group of people that you should disengage from are negative critics. People that will see that you are down and they will stomp you and try to kill you even more. People that all they see in you is the bad stuff. And everything, you know, all they can do is complain about everything about you. Stay away from such people. Amen. You know, they are very close to becoming destiny or would be destiny destroyers. They just want to kill you you know, stomp you down and all that. No. Disengage from such people. You know. They are would-be destiny destroyers at this next group. That other group was almost the same. But this would-be destiny destroyers, what are they? They are people who are envious of your progress. <laughs> Hello? Envious of your, your star is shining. They are envious. You know, they are envious. You know, we have a proverb in my natural language. And my dad used to say it when I was a young man. That when you are eating yam, and your yam is very, very white. And very luscious and looks very good. You better cover the thing. <laughs> just cover it, you know. <laughs> because some people just don't rejoice, you know, when things are good for you. And I don't know why that's the case. The Bible says rejoice with them that rejoice. Hallelujah. When your 
brother is doing well and your sister rejoice. Hallelujah. No, but not, not so many people. All the siblings of Joseph in his family, they were would-be, would-be destiny destroyers. Because they were envious of him. They saw that his star was shining. They saw that his father liked him. They saw everything about him, that God was speaking to him in dreams. And they were envious of him. You know, <laughs> Joseph should have stayed away from those people. But anyway, God has a way of bringing it around. We know that story. But so people who would destroy your dreams, people who don't believe in you, stay away from them. Amen. Hello? <laughs> stay away from people that don't believe in you. They don't believe in you. You know, what's the point? <laughs> you know, you know, so, you know, and, uh, you know, let me, you know, let, you know, let me, uh, say this other one too. There's a group that's called users. Everybody say user. Who's a, what's a user? Uh, who's a user? A user is somebody who hangs around you only for what they can get from you. They call you only when they need something from you. You know, and it, it doesn't matter. You look, look, even when you are in business, you know, and so forth, they may pretend to be your friend and so forth. You know, they, once they get from you what they want from you, you know, even in the ministry, then they become your rival. Hello? In business and so forth, you know, they, they pretend to be your friend. They're not your friend. <laughs> They're there to siphon you dry, you know. They call you, you know, only when they need something from you. They don't care about you. They don't really. You know, so <laughs> disengage yourself. Now, when I'm talking of disengaging, that's why I say I change the word from avoid, just to say disengage. It doesn't mean you shouldn't love them as a person. Scripture says we should love everybody. Amen. Love everybody. You know, but love them doesn't mean you need to go and sleep in their house. <laughs> you know. Uh, you know, yeah, you know, I love you, I wish you well, and so forth, but our ways are not equal. Even God told them, look, our ways are not equal. My ways are not your ways. So God couldn't really hang out with the children of Israel because their ways were not like him. Can two work together except they be agreed? You know, this, you know, this person is always contrary to everything that you believe. They're contrary to everything. Your ways are not equal. You don't need to be hanging around them. Praise the Lord. You know. And once they get whatever they want from you, the users, they will turn against you. They will. They become your rival. You know, and so forth. But listen to the positive side. These are some people that you should surround yourself with. Here are some people that you should surround yourself with. You know. And in this category, this first category, I'm going to tell you somebody that you don't think, but you should surround yourself with that person. The people that know your weaknesses but won't crucify you for those weaknesses. The number one person in that category is the Lord Jesus himself. Hallelujah. <laughs> the Lord knows your emptiness. He knows your nakedness. He knows all your weaknesses. Weaknesses. He knows everything. <laughs> but he's not going to crucify you. In fact, he he, you know, he gave himself for you. He traded places. Hallelujah. Now, people who will not, you know, leave you wounded. 
There's a story in Luke chapter 10. How many of you know that story? It's called the Good Samaritan story. Anybody ever read the Good Samaritan story? Some priests and Levites, religious people, they left the stranger wounded. And they left him there. See? Now, they were not good neighbors. You know, so you need to surround yourself with good neighbors. Good neighbors. You know, a good neighbor is somebody that will not leave you wounded like that. Hallelujah. When you are wounded, when you are hurting, they will be there for you. Those are the people you need to surround yourself with. They will be there for you. They're praying for you. They're calling you. They're helping you. They're, you know, encouraging you. <laughs> they are good neighbors. Those are people. You and the Lord is number one. He's always say, I will never leave you nor forsake you. People who know your strengths. Remember, the people who know your weakness but will not stomp you down because of your weakness. That's number one. The people who know your strength and will encourage you to grow in those strengths. Hello? <laughs> Sometimes we call them mentors in business and things like that. You know, you know, you know in fact, where I work, we have this mentorship program. You can be a mentor or you can be a mentee. You know, and people are always signing up and so forth. And the mentor is somebody that will always encourage the mentee to improve themselves. Hallelujah. Now, people some of these people are you know, those who are already where you want to be. You know, so if you are in business, or you are a student, or you are even up and coming in ministry and so forth, you find a good example. Even in marriage, you know, in marriage, how do you find a good mentor in marriage? It's not, it's not necessarily your pastor. I'm not talking about myself. It's not necessarily your pastor that is a good mentor in marriage. If their own marriage is screwed up and they don't know the head from the tail, they're not the person you need. But if you, if you, want, if you want to have a good marriage, and you want to see a peaceful marriage, those are the kinds of people you should look for. Hallelujah. To mentor you. Now, listen to this. Those who are where you want to be and are willing to help you get there. We call them mentors. You know. You have a mentor in business. You know. They're already where you want to be. And they want to help you to get there. Here's another group of people that you should surround yourself with. People who will fight your battles. Even in your absence. <laughs> Raise the Lord. They will stick up for you. Even in your absence. You know, they will fight your battles. They will not stab you in the back. You know, those are the kinds of people you need in your life. Now, let me quickly talk about, you know, because I'm coming to the end of the hour here. Quickly talk about some of the benefits of prudence. 
And I'm going to give some more scriptures. Prudence causes endowment with knowledge. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 18. Also Proverbs 13 and 16. Proverbs 18 and 15. And also Hosea chapter 14 and verse 9. Let's read that last one. Hosea chapter 14 and verse 9. Can you put that up for me, Hosea? Chapter 14, verse 9. Is there anybody in the back? Hosea. H-O-S-E-A. All right, well, I'm going to move on. You can find it. All right, let's move on. Um, it generates, prudence generates understanding. You can find that in Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 8. You know, um, I have to move through this quickly because I can't stop to be flipping the Bible. That's why I'm relying on them in the back to help me. But if they can't do it, I got to move on. But they finally did put it up. Go back to Hosea chapter 14, verse 9. I wanted to read that one. Hosea 14 and verse 9. He said, who then is wise and who shall understand these things? Who is prudent that he may know them? You know. For the ways of the Lord are right, and the just shall walk in them, but the transgressors shall fall therein. So prudence brings you into knowledge. The prudent person will know these things, is what he's saying. Now, prudence will also bring promotion. Let's read this one. Isaiah chapter 52 and verse 13. Isaiah 52, 13. Can you get that quickly? Isaiah 52 and 13. Behold, my servant shall deal prudently. He shall be exalted and extolled and be very high. Well, prudence helped him to get there. Prudence will also cause you to escape danger and evil. Proverbs 22 and verse 3. We read that earlier. Prudence will give you the capacity. It's a capacity to even cover Shame. Let's read that one. Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 16. Proverbs 12 and 16. A fool's wrath is presently known, but a prudent man covereth shame. What does that mean? Well, it's part of the things I talked about before. Prudence will help you to know how to deal with somebody that is in trouble. You know, and cover their shame rather than spreading their shame all around the city. How many of you are still with me? You may not know that that's what this verse means, but that's what it means. A prudent man will cover shame. You know, won't broadcast it all over the place, but they will give them counsel of how to get out of it and how to fix the cracks that led to that. But they're not going to. Spread it all over the place. But they are prudent. Hallelujah. It's also discretion. We'll come to that when we get to discretion. Now, a prudent wife, hallelujah, <laughs> is from the Lord. Proverbs chapter 19 and verse 14. So, you know, a prudent wife. If you are a wife, you know, this is a prayer that you should pray. Say, Lord, you know, make me to be a prudent wife. <laughs> because that's a blessing to your husband. A prudent wife. 
is from the Lord. You know, there are many other things, but on account of time, I want to do a quick summary, and then we're going to pray. The prayer we are going to pray today is, Lord, give me this pillar of wisdom, which is prudence in my life. Let my life be filled with an abundance of wisdom and prudence. And we're going to read Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 8. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 8. Ephesians, not Esther. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 8. I'm waiting for that verse. Ephesians 1, verse 8. Okay, well, let me, I have to get it myself then. Okay. Wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence. You know, God is the one that does this. So we're going to pray this prayer. That God should give me and you, you're going to pray too, an abundance of wisdom and prudence. Now, let me go quickly and cover some of the things, touched on some of the things we have spoken about today. The next time around, maybe I'll speak on the pillar of knowledge. Today was the pillar of prudence. You know, so we talked about, of course, the quality, many qualities to be cautious, to exercise, uh, Caution to exercise tact when you are dealing with others. The ability, you know, to know when to say no and when to say yes. You know, the ability to be diplomatic when you are trying to resolve a matter. You know, we talked about even the ability to manage opposition. Opposition. Sometimes when opposition is there and you can't really get away. Remember I said there are some things you people you should disengage from. But sometimes you can't really disengage. But you have to be able to manage it to your own advantage. That's what Jesus did. He managed that opposing, opposing spirit in Judas. He managed that rebellious spirit, that traitor spirit in Judas. He managed it to his own advantage to come around and help him fulfill his assignment. You know, so prudence you know, say, my servant shall do very prudently. And Jesus dealt very prudently. You know, and except for, you know, once or twice, he just left Judas alone. You know, he didn't always, you know, point him out. In fact, he said, look, one of you is a devil, but he didn't point him out then. And even towards the end, everybody said, who's going to betray him? Well, finally, you know, gave him a sop and so forth. You know, but for the most part, he just left him alone. He was prudent. You know, he just left that there. You know, he managed it for his, you know, for his own uh, assignment. The ability to manage your talent, skills, and resources. You grow your talent into a skill, grow your skill to competence, grow your competence to expertise, and finally you become an authority. This is very important, especially for young people if you are trying to develop a career and so forth. Manage your relationships. You know, define your boundaries. If you're a young person trying to get married and you are in a, a relationship and so forth, define those boundaries. God define those boundaries. And if they, also your values, and if they don't respect your values, then you need to disengage. Um, prudence will tell you 
you, if you read the story of the uh, parables of the uh, foolish and wise, you know, you see that the wise people were prudent, you know, because they were able to see uh, ahead. And when we talk about, we're going to be talking about insight later on. Insight is part of understanding. And we're going to be talking about hindsight, insight, and foresight. And you're going to learn some things there as well. You know, so the foolish were foolish already. That's why they didn't have the wisdom to take extra oil. Now, we're also going to talk about, I mean, sorry, we also talked about, you know, the prodigal son that wasted his substance with riotous living. It wasn't the fact that he asked for his inheritance that, you know, got him into trouble. It was the fact that he didn't know how to manage it. If he had known how to manage it, he could have actually turned it into a real fortune, but, you know, got into trouble, you know, so walking in prudence, you know, and some of the hardest things to swallow are the things I said about people to disengage yourself from, you know, because people say, why is he talking like that? Well, you know, that's prudence, you know, disengage yourself from people who don't really care for your progress. If all they want to do is just bring you down and they are envious of your progress, you need to disengage because they are not going to help you. Disengage from people who are trying to destroy your destiny or destroy your dream. Remember, the devil comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. But I am come, Jesus said in John chapter 10 and verse 10, to give life and that more abundantly. Anybody that is trying to do opposite to that, you know, they are always trying to discourage you. They're always trying to discredit you and so forth. You need to disengage from them. But on the contrary, surround yourself with people who are always encouraging you. The sons of encouragement. You need to surround yourself with people of encouragement. Surround yourself with people who are trying to help you get to where you want to be. Especially if they already are there. They are interested in your progress and are trying to help you get there. This is prudence. You know, also surround yourself with people who are not going to stomp you down just because you had a fall. You know, the Bible says of Jesus that a smoking flax, he will not quench. You know, so when he already sees that the wood is, you know, fire is almost finished, you know, he's not going to stomp it down and finish it. No, he doesn't do that. You know, so surround yourself with people that will not stomp you down and finish you. When you're down. And also, more importantly, you know, along those same lines, surround yourself with a good neighbor. A good neighbor will not leave you wounded like that. You know, a good, good neighbor will care for you. So, let's stand to our feet and we're going to make some prayers. We will be covering by the grace of God next time. The pillar of wisdom, and I mean a pillar of knowledge, oh my goodness. You do not want to miss that one. There are some cracks in your life that we need to pray about. And you need to pray about. Perhaps God has given you substance, but yet you are in want. You know, because you did not know how to manage your substance. That's why you got into trouble. You know. So people pile up credit card upon credit card, and then they have all kinds of problems because they don't have prudence. 
They don't know how to manage their resources. You know, stay out of debt. That's also prudence. Prudence will teach you to stay out of debt. If you haven't known how to stay out of debt yet, you know, especially debt that gets you nowhere, <laughs> you know, then you're not prudent. You need to stay out of debt. Prudence says, look, why should you be shorty for a loan? Why should you go and borrow these things? If you can't pay, they're going to come and take your bed. You know, why should you strike hands and so forth? You know, prudence. Keep your hands. <laughs> you know, even Paul was telling Timothy, he said, look, lay hands suddenly on no man. You don't put yourself into somebody else's problem where you don't know what's going on. Hallelujah. <laughs> these things are prudence. Prudence will tell you these things. But a simple person will just go on and be destroyed. So the prayer today is going to be this. As it is written in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 8. It says, God has abounded toward us in all prudence and wisdom. I want you to pray. And say, Lord, give me this pillar of wisdom. Let my life be filled with wisdom. In fact, abundance of wisdom. An abundance of prudence. I don't even want just a little bit. I want a lot of prudence. I want a lot of wisdom in my life. Begin to pray. Help me, Lord, to take care of these cracks. You know, to take care of the cracks that are in my life due to lack of prudence. The times when I should have said no, but I said yes. Remember, the Bible says, you know, in the book of Romans, I think it's chapter 6 and verse 16, something like that, that whomsoever you yield yourselves to obey, his servants you are whom you obey. If you yield yourself servants of sin, when temptation comes knocking and you don't know how to say no, then you become a servant of sin. So sometimes you got to know how to say no. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Ephesians chapter 1. Let's use that in our prayer. Ephesians chapter 1. And let's pray it in our prayer. I'm going to just read it for some context. It says, you know, according as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he has made us accepted in the beloved. When, he say, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, wherein he has abounded toward us in all wisdom and in all prudence. Father, I pray for myself, for my brothers and my sisters, Teach us, Lord, and give us this pillar of wisdom, prudence in our lives. Give us the ability to foresee the evil and to hide ourselves. Prudence will also tell you when to keep your mouth shut. <laughs> the ability to foresee that if you say that thing, you can't take it back. When you say it, words have wounds. And even... A wound, when it heals, will leave a scar. So, prudence will tell you how to keep your mouth shut. Prudence will tell you 
when to speak. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, time to speak and time to hold your peace. I pray for myself. I hope you are praying for yourself and you are not just looking at me. Pray for yourself that God will give you prudence. Remember, Solomon asked for it, wisdom and prudence and all these things and God gave it to him. And the Bible says, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God and he will give it to you. If you find out that your life is full of cracks, you know, you know, some of these areas that we have talked about today, especially in managing your talent and your resources, and in managing your resources, you find out that you are just, you know, a squanderer. <laughs> you like to just go on spending, you know, you know, spending sprees and so forth. You know, it is good for you to enjoy the good of all your labor. It's the gift of God, but you got to be prudent because the rainy day is coming. And prudence will teach you how to put one fifth away. And if you don't know how to do that, go read the story of Joseph again in Egypt. So, Father, I thank you, Lord, for the lesson today on prudence. I pray that the Lord will anoint our eyes with eyes of, that we may be able to see danger ahead and hide ourselves. Hallelujah. Let me stop right here and interject this. I wasn't planning to say this, but I want this on tape. Many people do not use prudence, you know, even in who they are going to marry. And they don't use sound judgment. They see danger signs ahead. And they say, no. And then they get into it anyhow. And then, see, you know, you're not going to convert anybody. Hello? You are young people. You know, I know we have a lot of married people here. You know, but we may have some young people also listen to me. You are not going to convert anybody. You are not going to do it. You know, prudence will tell you, do not be unequally yoked. But if you say, oh, you know, and they say, oh, I love you. I'm going to come to your church. I'm going to be saved. I'm going to be... They are not going to do it. <laughs> you know, if you don't open your eyes wide open, you know, and then you go and get into it. Likewise, prudence, okay, I talk about resources. Time made me to skip through some of these things. But prudence will tell you when to go in and when to come out of even an investment. I heard stories, you know, when the Holy Spirit is checking you inside not to do it, but you do it. And then regret later on. Prudence will keep you from the evil. Hallelujah. Lord, give me prudence. Let me foresee the evil. There may be times God said it's time for you to pull out of that investment. You say no. <laughs> God told you it's time for you to pull out and say no. And then later you come back and regret you lose everything because of lack of prudence. Prudence will tell you how and show you how to foresee the evil. Praise the Lord. We'll go more into this next time on our account of time. I'm going to leave it here. I pray for everyone. You know, search the scriptures on these things. Don't believe any of the things I said just because I said it. Search them out. I gave you a lot of scriptures. See if these things are so. And pray that the Spirit of God. Remember, First John chapter 2 and verse 27. What does it say? <laughs> he said, look, yeah, I know I'm a teacher, you know, of these things. But look, the Holy Spirit is your greatest teacher. Amen. You know, I don't need that anybody should tell. The anointing that is God had already given you. It's inside of you. 
And that anointing will bear witness when another teacher is teaching you. Bear witness. The anointing that God has given you inside of you will bear witness, should have borne witness today, whether I was telling you the truth or not. Or if I was just here to blow smoke or whatever they call it, or some air. No. (laughs) You know, the wisdom of God will tell you that these things are so. And if anybody be spiritual or consider themselves to be spiritual and so forth, well, let them judge that these things we have spoken today, you know, this is wisdom. This is how wisdom builds her house on seven pillars. You know, this is how he holds up the house. Wisdom holds up the house on the strength of those seven pillars. May the Lord make the pillars of your house to be strong. Amen. And there will be no cracks. If there are cracks due to lack of prudence, fix them through some of these lessons. And there will be other cracks that you will discover when we do the next lessons. And may God help us to fix them. Amen. I pray, Lord, that, you will be, that we will be wise and not foolish. We will not be foolish in making foolish decisions. But we will be wise. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I give you, Lord, all the praise. I give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. Can somebody put your hands together for the Lord? Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen.